So this morning we are going to talk about discipleship and the building project and in the providence of God it turns out that the young people are building a tabernacle upstairs this morning and so if the glory of God falls suddenly and unexpectedly in the middle of the service that may be something to do with the children's work. Looks like by the grace of God we might at last be getting close to a resolution with the building project. Woohoo! Amazing. Anyone who knows anything about what's gone on with this building project will know that it has been an absolute nightmare and a really big deal for the church. And I thought, you know, it's ridiculous. There's this huge thing going on in the life of the church. I really, I ought to teach into that. Um, and so this morning we're going to look at some important biblical principles in resolving conflict and how we're trying to sort things out as they've gone wrong. But I imagine I'm not the only person who's found themselves in a conflict situation. Has anyone else ever been in a conflict with someone else? Hands up if you've ever been in a conflict. Praise God, we might have something that will be relevant for all of us here. So, this morning we have got five biblical principles on how to address conflict, okay? So it should be here till about half past one. Point one, live cleanly. Live cleanly. First scripture that Stephen read for us was from Proverbs chapter four and verse 23, and it says this, above all else, guard your heart, because it's the wellspring of your life. Those first words there, above all else. The scripture here is screaming at us. It's saying, you need to hear this. This is really, really important. Guard your heart. And the reason for guarding your heart is because it's the thing that everyone else, everything else flows from. Our living connection to the living God is the most important thing we have. And if we allow sin and bitterness and resentment and revenge to get into our hearts, it will cut us off from God. I don't know about you, if you're anything like me, and I know I am, when we've been wronged, anger and injustice, well, a sense of injustice well up within us, and it becomes very tempting to justify acting in ways that are, in fact, sinful. We go over and over in our head what we might say to make the justice of our course plain. Sometimes perhaps we even fantasize violence or revenge. And unless we deal with it, then our living connection with God gently floats away. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Romans 12:21 says, Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So when we're in conflict, victory is to love. 
failure is to be led into sin. Yeah? In conflict, victory is to love. Failure is to be led into sin. The uh, philosopher Nietzsche very wisely said, in fighting dragons, you have to be very careful that you don't become a dragon. It's true, isn't it? In fighting dragons, you have to be very careful that you don't become a dragon. So the first thing about dealing with conflict is to keep our own heart right with God, is to deal with sin as soon as it comes up. So live cleanly. In conflict, don't let sin get the better of us. Second point, be humble. And we come to the second scripture that Stephen read for us from James. I love these scriptures. These are great. But the wisdom, this is James 3, 18, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. When we get wronged, injustice and hurt can be very real, but there are always two sides to every story, and normally there are significant things that both sides don't know. When we find ourselves in conflict, the best chance of resolution is to come to a shared understanding of the problem. This means we need to be humble. We need to hear those who've hurt us. We need to be able to share our side of the story. That's, frankly, very difficult to do when we're hurting. When I feel people have wronged me, I don't want to sit and listen. I want to set the record straight. I don't want to hear the other side. I want the other side to hear me. But in that moment, I need to remember how much I've been forgiven, how much grace I've been shown, how much grace I need in my life. And if I can do that, then it will help me hear the person who's hurt me. So point one, live cleanly. Point two, be humble. Point three, this one has saved my bacon so many times, it's embarrassing. It's from Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Get this one. If you can get this one, it will save you a host of car crashes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let's read that together. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's a great scripture to memorize, that one. I'm cross with the Baptist Union. I really am. I am cross with the Baptist Union. I feel disappointed and I feel yet down. But my enemy is not the Baptist Union. 
because me and the Baptist Union are actually on the same side. The real battle is against sin and evil and death. And there is nothing that the devil would like more than to get me fighting against my own side. And the devil will do precisely the same thing with the Baptist Union against us. Now, in everything that's gone on over this conflict, there's clearly been sin involved. But it is extremely rare in any conflict that one party is entirely innocent. What's God trying to do in the middle of all of this? God's trying to bring repentance. He's trying to bring reconciliation. He's trying to bring healing. And if he can bring repentance and reconciliation and healing, then he destroys sin, evil, and death. And he allows us to get on with serving him together. Now, the challenge is trying to hang on to that perspective in the heat of the conflict. I want to be heard. I want to be vindicated. But God wants us to be reconciled and healed. So, point one, live cleanly. Point two, be humble. Point three, our battle is not against other people. Point four, speak the truth in love. So we go back to Ephesians, and Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Let's read that together. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. I've spoken about this verse a few times recently. To deal effectively with conflict, we have to speak both the truth and we have to do it in love. And in this, there are two opposite temptations. One is to pursue the truth without love. To try and get after the what is right here question. Sometimes I'm tempted to go to those who've hurt me with what I see as the facts in order to vindicate myself and shame them. My motive is vindication, it's self-protection, perhaps sometimes it's even revenge. I might be right in what I say, but I'm not loving the person and so from God's perspective, I'm part of the problem, not part of the solution, yeah? The other temptation is not to deal with what has actually happened. I am English. To make matters worse, I am Southern. And therefore, I am deeply pre-programmed to be absolutely allergic to conflict and to want to smooth everything out without actually talking about it. You know that there's a very, very important rule in English culture that says, never say or think what you really feel, because if you disagree, it would be like death for everyone. It's a disaster. The temptation to pretend that everything's okay and just to bury the hurt without trying to sort out the conflict is a disaster. To speak the truth in anger is to betray the truth. 
but to try and love honestly without dealing with what's gone on is to betray the truth. To love without honestly dealing with what's happened is to betray love. Love is not loving without the truth. Truth is not true without love. So we need the courage and the grace to speak the truth in love. So point one, live cleanly. Point two, be humble. Point three, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Point four is speak the truth in love. On to our last point. What we were looking at last week in our all-age service. Trust God with outcomes. That's point five. Trust God with outcomes. Very often when things go wrong, I think I know what's needed to sort it out. I have a plan. 90% of the time, I am wrong. Another really helpful verse is Proverbs 16 and verse 9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord establishes our steps. Let's read that together. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Some people talk about trusting God in a situation to get a certain outcome. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's very fashionable in Christian circles at the moment. The idea being, if I can just convince myself that something is going to happen, then I have faith and God must do it. You ever heard teaching a bit like that? If you haven't, praise God. This is, this is fine. Just let it float by. If you have heard teaching like that, it's nonsense. Like I can work something up in my head and then twist God's arm into doing it for me. Ridiculous. Dallas Willard very helpfully wrote that faith means trusting God for outcomes. That's great, isn't it? Faith means trusting God for outcomes. Faith is not getting whatever I want. Amen? Amen. Faith is not getting whatever I want. Faith means trusting God, whatever I get. Really? Faith is not getting whatever I want. Faith is trusting God, whatever I get. The problem here is that often I arrogantly think I know and understand the whole counsel of God. And I can see what should happen to bring about God's will. Just occasionally I get a little bit of insight into how little of what God is actually up to I'm aware of. And when I see that, then I start to understand just how much I need to trust him. I often have an agenda of what I think needs to happen and what an outcome should be. But if God has a different agenda to me, it will be better. It will be wiser, it will be more loving, and it will be more life-giving in the long run. It may not be easier in the short run. Surrendering my agenda to God's agenda is the heart of faith. 
It says to the Lord, and more importantly, it says to myself, God, you are infinitely bigger than me. God, you are infinitely wiser than me. God, you are infinitely more loving than I am. God, you are in infinitely more insightful than I am. Lord, may your will be done. It's a good place to live. That's the only truly safe place to live. The alternative for me is living in a world where I think I know best. Anyone who's been married knows what a disaster that idea is. I'm so limited. I'm so broken. I am so faulty. God is so amazing, so big, so awesome, so wise, so clever, so pure so completely able to sort out the mess this world is in, in the long run, in the long run. So there are five principles that we are trying to apply in dealing with this conflict as we try and sort things out with the BU. And five principles that we need to apply wherever we're trying to sort out conflict. Point one, live cleanly. If I love, I win. If I get drawn into sin, I lose. Yeah? If I love, I win. If I get drawn into sin, I lose. Live cleanly. Point two, be humble. There is a much bigger picture than just the little bit I can see. Be humble. Point three, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We are not fighting people. Point four, speak the truth in love. I need the courage to face what's happened and the grace to keep loving the other person. And finally, point five, trusting God with outcomes. I need to remain open to God's agenda being bigger, better, and different to mine. Life in a fallen world, conflict is inevitable. Life in a fallen church, conflict is inevitable. Lots of people give up on church because they can't deal with conflict. I'm really cross with the BU, but I have no doubt whatsoever that if we parted company with the BU and went with a different church tradition, we would run into a very similar set of issues because there is sin everywhere. We are all sinful. The crucial thing in the midst of conflict is to hang on to the heart of God. God, who did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God, who is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God who calls us not to overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't want to be a church full of dragons. Amen? Let's pray.